Hello, Church in the Mall. Let's jump in where we left off last Sunday, where we are now in the third chapter of the book of Ruth that we find in the Old Testament. And in today's story, we see that Naomi has gone from depressed and despondent to now playing matchmaker. See, Ruth has come home with news of a man named Boaz showing her extreme kindness. And Naomi sees hope in his actions, that she now sees a possibility of someone who will provide for Ruth and for herself. And so she tells Ruth, go change your clothes, get out of those widow's rags, and change into something a little bit more attractive. Um, and essentially, Naomi is encouraging Ruth to proposition Boaz. And we think, whoa, this is, this is a little uh, challenging when we look at this with our modern eyes, thinking, well, it's bold on Ruth's part to be the one to propose. But at the same time, we're like, well, why does she need a man? It's cultural. It's the reality that this was a culture that was built intensely on community in which you were so tied into each other. And it wasn't just, you know, that a woman needed a man, but they all needed each other. And that in particular, women did need the support or the protection of a male, whether that was their father, their husband, or their son. And so what we can take from this is that Naomi is looking for ways to provide for Ruth a future, safety. And so in seeing this, um, this is a little bit of a risky action on their part. Um, but we see this change in Naomi as she goes from this depressed widow to a woman who has hope that Ruth's actions and Boaz's faithfulness have inspired hope in her, as well as started to really allow her to stop looking at her own grief, but start to look at Ruth and a future for Ruth, this woman who has committed herself to Naomi. And so now she's now more concerned with Ruth's future than even her family name and her grief. And I think it's so interesting to see this and to realize that even in our own lives, that sometimes experiencing faithfulness, kindness from God comes through other people, through the actions of others, and that that can change you, can change your perspective, can change your outlook. And it has an impact on everything. And so Ruth takes Naomi's advice and she goes and visits Boaz, who is on the threshing floor. After the harvest, they're preparing the wheat and it's night and he is laid down to sleep. And when she comes upon him, she uncovers his feet. And this is the interesting thing sometimes about language is that one thing can mean another. And when she uncovers his feet, scholars aren't, you know, they debate about this. Is it really his feet or is this a euphemism for his genitals? I know. And to be honest, the story doesn't give us enough clues to make the most precise translation one way or the other. But when we look at the story, we look at Ruth's character and we look at Boaz's character, two very honorable people, people who are described as righteous before and righteous after this action, this event that takes place. Um, we can lean, I think, a little bit more on that she uncovered his feet. And when this happens, Boaz wakes up and he finds Ruth there. And 
is kind of startled awake and wondering what's going on. And, and this is where Ruth takes this incredibly bold action. And she proposes to him. And she invites him, in her language, to cover her with his robe. And we had touched on this last week, that when Boaz was describing his actions of why he was kind to Ruth and Naomi, was because scripture invites us to consider God's kindness and compassion towards people and described it as resting under God's wings or within his robe. And so this word can go either way, but Ruth leans into the idea of a robe. There's a little bit more intimacy there. And so kind of thinking that Ruth is being so bold and inviting Boaz, will you protect me? Will you take care of me? Will you make me your wife um, and provide for not only me, but Naomi as a kinsman redeemer? You know, this idea of somebody who had a social and moral obligation within kind of your extended family to help me, to help you in times of crisis or in trouble. And so in proposing to him, Boaz is very open to this. He, he clearly is willing, you know, by his language and his own response to Ruth's proposal. But he's also a very honorable man, and he knows that there is someone who is closer in line to be that kinsman redeemer than he is. That someone else has a greater responsibility at the moment to take care of these women. And so this guy kind of has first dibs, and Boaz recognizes that. He's not going to go behind this guy's back. He's going to do the right thing. And he, while he's in a tough spot, I love seeing how he navigates this challenge honorably. And he does the right thing. See, the thing is, the idea was that this kinsman redeemer, if he chose to marry a widow, that if they had a child, that child would actually carry on the name of the widow's first husband. And so that child would also inherit that man's um, property, his inheritance. And so it wouldn't naturally come into like Boaz's control if he married Ruth and they had a child. It would actually be her previous husband's name and considered his child. But Boaz is willing to do this because he knows it's the right thing. He knows it's a way to continue to take care of this family. He also knows that you know, he's attracted to Ruth. There seems to be an affection or a respect for her. And so in thinking about this and looking at this story, we can see the complexity of their, their, their nature as people and, and why they are so faithful. And so in the morning, Boaz gets up, he sends Ruth off, but he sends her off with a great deal of wheat. And we can see how he is not only ensuring Ruth's safety, but he's also providing for Naomi. This is a man generous of heart. And he heads to the town gates to deal with the situation, to talk to this relative who has a closer claim on Ruth and ultimately what would have been um, her child's inheritance. And so the women are forced to kind of wait then to see what will happen. But in looking at this, this passage, the thing that strikes me so much is that the language is so redemptive, that it's talking you know, about how 
Boaz has an opportunity to redeem Naomi's family name through Ruth. And it's interesting to note that not only does God redeem, but humans can as well through love and faithfulness. Maybe not to the degree that God does, but we get to participate in this. And that God's faithfulness is carried out over time and through many individuals. Just looking at Naomi's story alone, that in the very beginning we see her just feeling abandoned, maybe even feeling like she's being punished by God. But over time we see that God is at work and the faithfulness of Ruth who commits to travel from, from her home to Naomi's home and to stay with her through all of it. We then see the generosity of Boaz, the faithfulness he has to God that encourages him to be generous with others. And we, sometimes we have to look for these things. We have to be more aware of them and to be intentional about seeing them at times. And then other times we are invited to be the ones to carry out God's faithfulness for others. And I was really struck with this this week. And at the start of this week, I, I hit the wall. I don't know if you've hit the wall, if you're, you can see the wall coming, you know, it's amazing how they kind of jump out at you, but I hit the wall. I had two very stupid minor issues happen almost back to back and it just broke me. It was really the straw that broke the camel's back and I found myself just crying and yelling at God. Um, just, I'm tired. I am so tired, God. I am so done. And I would throw in, you know, those so's and occasionally another word or two that really isn't fit for church or work. But I was just in a place that I needed to cry out to God that this, this situation, the storm that we are all in, that we are calling a pandemic is just, it's exhausting and it's wearing on me. And I, and I just was done. And I kind of finally hit a point where, you know, I'm so frustrated that I don't know when this will end. And I think that makes it even harder. You know, I always have this mental game I play of like, oh, I can do anything for two weeks. I can do anything for a year or whatever, but we don't have that kind of timeline, do we? So that's just where I'm at. And I ended up wiping my face off and calming down a little bit and picking up the phone. And I ended up calling two different friends, neither of whom were available to take my call at the time. But one did call me back a little bit later. And I ended up, you know, picking up the phone and, and she asked, hey, what's up? And I don't know why I said it. I didn't think to hide or anything. I called her actually to, to share. And I simply said, almost impulsively, I was just calling to check on you. You know, it was like this brain fart happened and those are the words that came out. But the conversation that took place ended up being so wonderful. Like we just talked and chatted about what's going on with her and what's in her life. And, and it truly became that of, I'm checking in on you. Um, I wasn't trying to hide. I wasn't trying to like, you know, push it aside. And it ended up being such a good moment. And when I hung up the phone, I, I felt better. And I think it was part of it that it, I just had the opportunity to have some connection, um, to talk to somebody who I care about. 
and be reminded that I'm not alone. Now, later that evening, I ended up talking to another friend and just venting it all out, rambling along, letting it all pour out, telling them everything that is going on and why I'm just so done. And this friend had the most wonderful response. They offered no advice. They offered no option to, you know, this is how you should fix it. They just listened. And so many times that is what we need. We just need someone to hear us. And that's what I needed. I needed someone just to hear me and to know that I was heard. And so I think about these two conversations that, you know, in one, I had the opportunity to be hope for a friend. And then I had the opportunity to see hope in another. And it's so simple, isn't it? But yet it requires us to reach out. It requires us to step out of our comfort zone sometimes, um, to reach out to others. And then sometimes we need to reach out for ourselves. We need to invite another in. And that I think about this in the context of God's faithfulness. That God's faithfulness is carried out over time and through many individuals. And sometimes those individuals are us. And how will we, how will we experience this faithfulness as well as be a part of it for others? That's my question for us. How will we experience this faithfulness as well as be it for others? It's something to think about. It's something I invite you to think about this week, but I don't want you to overthink it. I actually want you to take a risk and try it. See how you can reach out and be faithfulness for another, to show them kindness, compassion, generosity, or maybe even to reach out and ask for those things for yourself because you need them. You may be a blessing to someone else. So I invite us this week to think about how we can take a risk to step in and to be faithfulness for another. Take care, friends.